Hey, what's up? It's Granger Smith. This is the Granger Smith Podcast. Episode 2. This is a fun one. This is going to be the story of how I started music, how I ended up on this crazy path. So here we go. Episode 2. Well, this has been a day already. It's only noon, and I'm supposed to be sitting in Nebraska, side stage at a county fair, going through normal show routine, but I'm not. I'm actually not even close to that. We never made it. We broke down. Uh, Early this morning, we had a fire in the trailer. Don't get scared. It happens. Sometimes. Well, let's talk about that. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you want to hear. We actually do break down. You see, we're trying to travel with two buses, two trailers, 13 people, 100,000 pounds, and a lot of miles. So I guess it's a miracle that we make it as many times as we do, honestly. So why did I get into this? Why did I start uh, such an unpredictable life, uh, something that's not normal, something so far from the nine to five, something with so much uncertainty? I'll tell you. This is episode two. Close your eyes. You're dreaming. Green fields, blue sky, white clouds, summer breeze. Then suddenly you're falling. You know the dream I'm talking about. You're going down, down in darkness. Then you're in a sewer, a dark dungeon of a sewer with water, slimy water. It's coming up your legs. It's getting higher above your waist now coming up to your chest and you've got to find a way out you can't breathe you're looking for a way out and you see a tiny bead of light so you got to make it to it And there's a ladder you're grasping onto the ladder as the water's coming up to your chin you take one more breath before it crosses your nose and this is it you got to make it to this hatch or you're gonna die wake up it was just a dream so we call that a bunk terror that's because we sleep in basically a coffin. It's about six and a half feet long at about yeah, two and a half feet high, two and a half feet wide with a curtain. It gets black as the night in these things. And you're pretty much shut off from the world. So imagine laying in there, you're trying to sleep, you're, you're bouncing up and down to the rhythm of the road, and you're half asleep, you're kind of half in that dream world, and the driver slams on the brakes, and you hit a rumble strip, and then your last thought is, Is this it? Is this the time the bus is about to wrap around a tree or an overpass? And this is the way I'm going to go? I mean, it's terrifying and helpless. And this is why I put so much trust in my driver. Because eventually you have to just let it go and say, I trust him. And I do. I trust Bull Shipley driving this ship. And uh, how could you have it any other way? I think my worst fear is probably fire, though. I... I sleep in the back towards the engine, and if we have an engine fire or if a wheel catches on fire because of the brakes, which happens a lot, then that sucker is burning up, and I pretty much have no choice than to open the window and jump out for dear life. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Man, what a good night's sleep. Ah, You get used to it over the years, I guess. You never really sleep well, though. So that brings me to... Last night, early this morning, when this exact scenario actually happened. Let's talk to Bull, my bus driver, and get his take on it. I stopped at the truck stop, fueled up, got water for the bus, did my normal walk around, checked everything. And then 
got about 15 miles up the street, full speed on the highway, and noticed sparks and a fire coming out from the front of the trailer. So I pulled off the side of the road, uh, grabbed my fire extinguisher, ran in there, uh, put out the fire, and realized we uh, just tore up a bearing and were about 10 seconds away from losing the wheel. It was like six in the morning, so I had very little luck. We got about five miles limping it before the back tire almost caught on fire. You never know when something's gonna go wrong because just I, I had just checked the tire and everything was fine, and it, it, it can go with no warning. This is Bull Shipley, my very OCD and very aware bus driver in a good way. And sorry about that road noise. I was actually recording him on my phone as we were driving. I can't help that. And sorry about the uh, backwoods Michigan accent. He can't help that. How often do you think we break down? I would say we probably break down on an average of uh, once every three months or so. Something usually minor happens and we can get it fixed and keep, keep going. And we did keep going. We were able to find some awesome guys at this place called John Pitzer Sales in Glenwood, Iowa. They hooked us up, fixed a trailer, and uh, got us on the road to meet the rest of the band and play the show in Nebraska. Yep, three hours, six minutes, 168 miles. 10-4. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again So why do we do it? Why, why do we hit the road again? What, what's up with this beautiful mess that we live in? Why do we stay away from our families for so long and months at a time on the road and uh, chasing a ghost sometimes? You know, it's, it's so rewarding, but it's so lonely at the same time. And, and uh, what fuels that? What was the beginning? What was the very beginning? I know what it was. All my friends say I should leave you alone. You've got a heart like a stone. That damn guitar. That damn guitar. That's what it was. That's what I blame. I say blame. My life is a huge blessing, but it would be very different without that damn guitar. It was a Yamaha classical. Nylon string. It was in my closet, basically in storage in the house I grew up in. And it was there because my grandmother actually gave up on it. She had it. She bought it. I think she wanted to play it at church. And she bought a book with it that had little dots on a fretboard that showed you where to put your fingers to make chords. And that book was underneath the guitar in a case. And I don't know why or the exact moment, the exact day, but I remember there wasn't much deciding it was this feeling of all of a sudden, I got to learn this guitar. I was 14 years old. And so I pulled it out. And you got to understand, nobody in my family plays an instrument. And so this is me, cold turkey, guinea pig. And it was a, it was a challenge because my parents were like, what are you doing? And I'm going to learn to play the guitar and I'm going to show you. And I'm going to have a song very soon to prove that to you. And that was my personal challenge. Did girls have something to do with this? Yes. I had this vision of sitting around a campfire five years down the road, and I'm the guy with the guitar, and everyone's listening to me play these beautiful chords, and oh, I had no idea what playing the guitar would soon mean to me. 
I learned as many chords as I could. Not well, but I learned to strum and, and learn to play. And any song I would like and hear on the radio, I would emulate it and try to play that song. So I, n- I never really learned probably the right way because I just learned by hearing a song and identifying what that chord was and then me figuring out how to play it and developed probably some bad habits that way but they're my habits it was my way so I'm fine with that there was so much more to this than just me sitting in my room with a guitar in my lap learning songs I just didn't know it yet I wasn't even singing at all I was 15 years old and that was about to change what a crazy life that's flying by we only survive to get done we all live and die on borrowed time on a rock we ride around the sun so we arrive in nebraska and my production manager blake meets me at the bus door and he says with this really worried look on his face he goes dude they don't have any three-phase power it's only crazy leg i'm no electrician but crazy leg don't, don't we want that? That sounds more fun. And I know, I know, all I ever want is to go slow. But I'm running fast pace, acting like I gotta go and win a race. I just opened the gates here at the Antelope County Fair. And I got the perfect view. I get to watch people coming in. They're holding their lawn chairs and coolers and homemade posters. You got all ages. I mean, you've got the grandmas, the grandfathers, you got the, the kids, the high school kids that are up, you just ruling the bleachers right now, staking out their seats. Some are hurrying, some are trying to get to the front row, and some could care less. That's what I love about these county fairs. It's just all walks of life coming together for country music and their community. That's so cool. And then meanwhile, I'm sitting here on my bus, Wildflower, and our generator just died. Which happens way less than we blow a trailer tire, for sure. But this is starting to tell me that today's a little bit cursed. This computer for the podcast is a laptop, so it runs on battery. So I could keep doing this, but I have no lights and no air conditioner. Oh, the glamorous tour life. It's always an adventure. I'll put it that way. And you know, it all started with my girlfriend at the time. She was a year younger than me, and her name was Annie. Super sweet girl. We dated for six months when I was in ninth grade. But she is the reason I started singing. And here's why. I ran with this group of friends, and one of my buddies, his name was Peter, and he was a singing fool. He could sing the phone book and make it sound good. Our school had the show choir, and he was like the lead guy. And there was no doubt he was the most talented kid in our junior high. So here we are one night at this party. And my girlfriend, Annie, was in the other room with Peter's girlfriend. And I could hear them talking through the wall. They didn't know I was listening, but I heard Annie say, You know, I really like Granger, but if he sang like Peter, I would love him. Oh, man, I was 15 years old. Those words were crushing to me. Crushing. So I go home. I pull out that Yamaha acoustic guitar. I'm on a mission. I say, all right, man, it's time to start finding my voice. I can't just play guitar. I got to start singing the songs, too. 
Easier said than done. I wasn't great when I started. No. I wasn't good. In fact, one time I was sitting with Peter and I said, hey, I want to I sing something to you. And I sang this Alan Jackson song. And he said, brother, you suck. <laughs> yeah, he, I still remember that exact moment. He said, brother, you suck. And I probably did, but it didn't stop me. I mean, nothing could stop a 15-year-old boy from trying to win over a girl. That's one of the strongest forces of nature, right? So I doubled down. I got to take a minute to talk about my unofficial, official, unofficial sponsor, Yee Yee Energy. Me and my two brothers, Tyler and Parker, we made this, and I think the reason is we never could get any of the big energy drink companies to reply back when we just wanted a few free drinks before a show to get some energy. And when they never replied, we thought, hey, we're going to make our own energy drink. And so the result was my favorite, the best tasting drink that I've ever had. I'm a little biased because we picked the recipe, but if there was ever a drink that represented who I was, that tasted like the flavor of what our concert sounded like, it's Yee Yee Energy, and I'm proud of that. If you haven't tried it, go to yeeyeeenergy.com, grab you some on Amazon. I think you're going to like it. Let me know what you think, okay? Plug over. So the generator came back on for a little bit, and now it just shut down again. So I'm in the dark again. I, I think uh, Blake just came on here and he said he thinks it's because this fair is really dusty and our uh, air filter on the generator got clogged with dust. And Bull, of course, is sleeping because he dealt with a an all-night and all-day trailer fire. <laughs> so he's getting some well-deserved rest because tomorrow we need to head to Lincoln and then the next day we go to South Dakota. It's a busy week and... I'm not worried about the generator. I still have this. I still have my computer up. I still got a podcast. And I still have a story to continue. So here I am, a lovesick 15-year-old kid needing to find a voice, needing to become a singer so that he could impress a girl. I go to this place called the Mesquite Opry in Mesquite, Texas. They had local singers come in every Saturday night. You audition and you get to play two songs. I went with a group of friends, and at the end of the night, they said, okay, we're opening up the show to auditions, if anybody wants to get up here. And I was thinking, maybe I should, maybe I should. And a couple of my friends kind of nudged me, and they said, hey, you play guitar. Why don't you get up there and try to sing? And I thought, in one of the, the bravest moments of my life at the time, I thought, okay, here I go. So I, I stood up, you know, shimmied through the, uh, the row and got to the aisle and walked up to the stage and a lot of the people stayed. A lot of the crowd stayed because this was the fun part. Now you get to see these idiots go up there and make a fool of themselves as they're auditioning. So here I come. And there's this elderly lady and she has an acoustic guitar and she says, hello, son, what would you like to play? And I say, Tequila Sunrise by the Eagles. grip the mic, look out into the darkness of the crowd, blinded by the spotlights, which is probably a good thing. And I started singing. And I remembered the words. That was that was a good thing. And, you know, it wasn't that bad. 
I got through a verse and a chorus, and then we kind of ended, and she said, okay, we'll give you a Saturday night. And that was it. I was off to the races. Get home, and I tell mom and dad. So I auditioned at this Opry, and I made it, and I'm singing on the whatever date, and I'm going to sing two songs. And they're like, what? You're going to do what? So I already had the songs picked out. Two George Strait songs, Amarillo by Morning and All My Exes Live in Texas. The date comes around, I show up, I rehearse with the band, and then showtime comes, and I have to wait. There's a list of singers. And so I'm standing backstage, and you could see, you know, there's about five singers before me. Each has two songs. So I'm counting down. My heart is racing as each singer finishes. The crowd applauds, and then it's getting closer to me. My turn. At this part of the story, I kind of go black. I don't really remember. I just, everything went fuzzy. I was so nervous, but I loved it. And when I got off stage, the part I do remember is that my first thought when I got off is, I got to rebook. I got to do this again. I mean, it's, it's an addicting feeling. Going out there, the lights come on, the band starts your song, people clap for you. It was something else. And I still feel that same feeling every night. It's addicting. But that was the first time at the Mesquite Opera in Mesquite, Texas. She's a dashboard DJ. Seat belt hugging a white tank. Blue-eyed smile spinning that dial stops it on a love thing. So what happened to Annie, you ask? Was she impressed? Did the big plan work? You know, I got so busy with music that I didn't have time for a girlfriend anymore. Isn't that the irony of life? But I need to thank her for that. She helped me find my calling. Makes me think of her, makes me think of this midnight moonlight slow kiss. Still no luck on this generator thing. It's getting a little hot in here. And I have 63% battery left on this laptop. So, so far, so good. We can keep going. So these next few years were really important for me. 15, 16, 17 years old. I was playing Texas high school football, which took a lot of my time. And then on the weekends, I was going to these Opry's. And I would go find new ones, and I would audition. And then I would go, and I would drag my parents and drag friends out there. And that just kind of became my thing. This one place was called the Garland Opry. And it, it wasn't too far from where I lived in North Texas. And the drummer of that band was this young kid, this teenager. His name was Chris Lee. And I met him and he was really charismatic and a, and a cool guy and, and a good drummer. And the funny thing is, is we ended up starting a friendship then that we still have today. In fact, he's my tour manager. So if you ever see me on tour and you see my tour manager, that is Chris Lee. And we met many years ago at the Garland Opry. He was my drummer. All right, so take yourself to the, back to the Garland Opry. And the first time, I don't know if you remember the first time you met me or not. First time I laid eyes on Granger Smith, I'll never forget it. I had no way of knowing then that uh, first time I met that guy that, that would turn into uh, years of endearing friendships. You're talking like you're on a podcast and not like you're 
just my buddy answering a question. Am I not who, on a podcast? Who, who was I when you first met me? You're a skinny little high school kid trying to sing George Strait songs. That's the answer I knew you were going to say. It's funny looking back on those days. I was so young. I was so green. But I was learning. And I was willing to learn whatever it took to be a singer, a, an artist, a songwriter, which is another story for another podcast. All right, you want to get really embarrassing. I have some old recordings from those Opry days. Here's one from the Grapevine Opry in the early days. Bear with me. This has never been heard before. This is super embarrassing. But ladies and gentlemen, here's the young Granger Smith. You know what? This is the first time since I was a ninth grade in high school that I haven't worn my belt buckle. And I, I came up and I said, Mom, Mom, I don't have my belt buckle. I left it in College Station. And she said, well, it doesn't matter. Your guitar covers it anyway. I said, no, it's not, it's not that. It's that I have to have it. So I, I went back during rehearsal. And I said, wait, wait, Hawthorne. I said, can I please borrow a belt buckle, please? And so he gave me this one. So I really appreciate that, Wade. First of all, what the hell am I talking about? But there I am standing there, white cowboy hat, starch jeans, starch shirt, belt buckle, just like George Strait. And I'm about to play one of his songs, Nobody in His Right Mind Would Have Left Her. Now bear with me, y'all. I was just a kid. still listening thank you sorry to put you through that but it's part of my story you need to understand it okay young granger we'll turn you down a little bit here and that was me that was my life so would you have taken me on a saturday night would you have let me pass your audition and if you're a 14 year old annie and you like singers would you date me yeah did you hear that generator came on purring like a kitten They must have liked the old tapes. It must have been that. Those Opry's, those days, those teenage years of singing set me on a course. It led me straight to songwriting. And when I was 18, I wrote my first song. Maybe I had lived just enough to be able to have something to write about. But you know what? I think that's another podcast. Because songwriting is, is, is a big part of who I am. And there's well over a decade between now and back then, those early days. And I hadn't yet set foot in the place of business that I would find home for so many years after that. The honky-tonk bar. For the good and the bad. 
That'll be another story for another day. And what a day this has been. Starting with a fire in the trailer. But you know what? This is all worth it. Talking to you guys on a podcast like this. Like I said in episode one, what better way to connect to my fans on a deep level than me sitting in a room by myself in the back of my bus, pouring my heart out in a podcast. Thank you for listening to episode two. I finally got a generator running. I got some air conditioner flowing and I got to go play a show in Nebraska. See y'all next time. It happens like that. Out of the blue sky, lost in her blue eyes. Yeah, when it happens like that, nothing to lose turns right into you. Doing all you can do just to keep her around till the moon goes down in her back at your house. One thing leads to another. You loving each other when looking, you never look back. It happens like that. This podcast is brought to you by Yee Yee Energy. Come find us on tour, grangersmith.com forward slash tour. See you down the road.